Section 5 of Reflections on the Revolution in France. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reflections on the Revolution in France and on the proceedings in certain societies in London relative to that event. In a letter intended to have been sent to a gentleman in Paris, 1790. By Edmund Burke section five we know that the british house of commons without shutting its doors to any merit in any class is by the sure operation of adequate causes filled with everything illustrious in rank in descent in hereditary and in acquired opulence in cultivated talents in military civil naval and politic distinction that the country can afford but supposing what hardly can be supposed as a case that the house of commons should be composed in the same manner with the tiers etat in france would this dominion of chicane be borne with patience or even conceived without horror god forbid i should insinuate anything derogatory to that profession which is another priesthood administering the rights of sacred justice but whilst i revere men in the functions which belong to them and would do as much as one man can do to prevent their exclusion from any i cannot to flatter them give the lie to nature they are good and useful in the composition they must be mischievous if they preponderate so as virtually to become the whole their very excellence in their peculiar functions may be far from a qualification for others it cannot escape observation that when men are too much confined to professional and faculty habits and as it were inveterate in the recurrent employment of that narrow circle they are rather disabled than qualified for whatever depends on the knowledge of mankind on experience in mixed affairs on a comprehensive connected view of the various complicated external and internal interests which go to the formation of that multifarious thing called a state after all if the house of commons were to have a wholly professional and faculty composition what is the power of the house of commons circumscribed and shut in by the immovable barriers of laws usages positive rules of doctrine and practice counterpoised by the house of lords and every moment of its existence at the discretion of the crown to continue prorogue or dissolve us the power of the house of commons direct or indirect is indeed great and long may it be able to preserve its greatness and the spirit belonging to true greatness at the full and it will do so as long as it can keep the breakers of law in india from becoming the makers of law for england the power however of the house of commons when least diminished is as a drop of water in the ocean compared to that residing in a settled majority of your national assembly that assembly since the destruction of the orders has no fundamental law no strict convention no respected usage to restrain it instead of finding themselves obliged to conform to a fixed constitution they have a power to make a constitution which shall conform to their designs nothing in heaven or upon earth can serve as a control on them what ought to be the heads the hearts the dispositions that are qualified or that dare not only to make laws under a fixed constitution but at one heat to strike out a totally new constitution for a great kingdom and in every part of it 
from the monarch on the throne to the vestry of a parish but fools rush in where angels fear to tread in such a state of unbounded power for undefined and undefinable purposes the evil of a moral and almost physical inaptitude of the man to the function must be the greatest we can conceive to happen in the management of human affairs having considered the composition of the third estate as it stood in its original frame i took a view of the representatives of the clergy there too it appeared that full as little regard was had to the general security of property or to the aptitude of the deputies for their public purposes in the principles of their election that election was so contrived as to send a very large proportion of mere country curates to the great and arduous work of new modelling a state men who never had seen the state so much as in a picture men who knew nothing of the world beyond the bounds of an obscure village who immersed in hopeless poverty could regard all property whether secular or ecclesiastical with no other eye than that of envy among whom must be many who for the smallest hope of the meanest dividend in plunder would readily join in any attempts upon a body of wealth in which they could hardly look to have any share except in a general scramble instead of balancing the power of the active chicaners in the other assembly these curates must necessarily become the active coadjutors or at best the passive instruments of those by whom they had been habitually guided in their petty village concerns they too could hardly be the most conscientious of their kind who presuming upon their incompetent understanding could intrigue for a trust which led them from their natural relation to their flocks and their natural spheres of action to undertake the regeneration of kingdoms this preponderating weight being added to the force of the body of chicane in the tier etat completed that momentum of ignorance rashness presumption and lust of plunder which nothing has been able to resist to observing men it must have appeared from the beginning that the majority of the third estate in conjunction with such a deputation from the clergy as i have described whilst it pursued the destruction of the nobility would inevitably become subservient to the worst designs of individuals in that class in the spoil and humiliation of their own order these individuals would possess a sure fund for the pay of their new followers to squander away the objects which made the happiness of their fellows would be to them no sacrifice at all turbulent discontented men of quality in proportion as they are puffed up with personal pride and arrogance generally despise their own order one of the first symptoms they discover of a selfish and mischievous ambition is a profligate disregard of a dignity which they partake with others to be attached to the subdivision to love the little platoon we belong to in society is the first principle the germ as it were of public affections it is the first link in the series by which we proceed towards a love to our country and to mankind the interest of that portion of social arrangement is a trust in the hands of all those who compose it and as none but bad men would justify it in abuse none but traitors would barter it away for their own personal advantage there were in the time of our civil troubles in england i do not know whether you have any such in your assembly in france several persons like the then earl of holland 
who by themselves or their families had brought an odium on the throne by the prodigal dispensation of its bounties towards them who afterwards joined in the rebellions arising from the discontents of which they were themselves the cause men who helped to subvert that throne to which they owed some of them their existence others all that power which they employed to ruin their benefactors if any bounds are set to the rapacious demands of that sort of people or that others are permitted to partake in the objects they would engross revenge and envy soon fill up the craving void that is left in their avarice confounded by the complications of distempered passions their reason is disturbed their views become vast and perplexed to others inexplicable to themselves uncertain they find on all sides bounds to their unprincipled ambition in any fixed order of things but in the fog and haze of confusion all is enlarged and appears without any limit when men of rank sacrifice all ideas of dignity to an ambition without a distinct object and work with low instruments and for low ends the whole composition becomes low and base does not something like this now appear in france does it not produce something ignoble and inglorious a kind of meanness in all the prevalent policy a tendency in all that is done to lower along with individuals all the dignity and importance of the state other revolutions have been conducted by persons who whilst they attempted or effected changes in the commonwealth sanctified their ambition by advancing the dignity of the people whose peace they troubled they had long views they aimed at the rule not at the destruction of their country they were men of great civil and great military talents and if the terror the ornament of their age they were not like jew brokers contending with each other who could best remedy with fraudulent circulation and depreciated paper the wretchedness and ruin brought on their country by their degenerate counsels the compliment made to one of the great bad men of the old stamp cromwell by his kinsman a favorite poet of that time shows what it was he proposed and what indeed to a great degree he accomplished in the success of his ambition still as you rise the state exalted too finds no distemper whilst tis changed by you changed like the world's great scene when without noise the rising sun night's vulgar lights destroys these disturbers were not so much like men usurping power as asserting their natural place in society their rising was to illuminate and beautify the world their conquest over their competitors was by outshining them the hand that like a destroying angel smote the country communicated to it the force and energy under which it suffered i do not say god forbid i do not say that the virtues of such men were to be taken as a balance to their crimes but they were some corrective to their effects such was as i said our cromwell such were your whole race of guises condes and colignes such the richelieu's who in more quiet times acted in the spirit of a civil war such as better men and in a less dubious cause were your henry the fourth and your Suyer though nursed in civil confusions and not wholly without some of their taint it is a thing to be wondered at to see how very soon france 
when she had a moment to respire recovered and emerged from the longest and most dreadful civil war that ever was known in any nation why because among all their massacres they had not slain the mind in their country a conscious dignity a noble pride a generous sense of glory and emulation was not extinguished on the contrary it was kindled and inflamed the organs also of the state however shattered existed all the prizes of honor and virtue all the rewards all the distinctions remained but your present confusion like a palsy has attacked the fountain of life itself every person in your country in a situation to be actuated by a principle of honor is disgraced and degraded and can entertain no sensation of life except in a mortified and humiliated indignation but this generation will quickly pass away the next generation of the nobility will resemble the artificers and clowns and money-jobbers usurers and jews who will be always their fellows sometimes their masters believe me sir those who attempt to level never equalize in all societies consisting of various descriptions of citizens some description must be uppermost the levellers therefore only change and pervert the natural order of things they load the edifice of society by setting up in the air what the solidity of the structure requires to be on the ground the associations of tailors and carpenters of which the republic of paris for instance is composed cannot be equal to the situation into which by the worst of usurpations and usurpation on the prerogatives of nature you attempt to force them the chancellor of france at the opening of the states said in a tone of oratorial flourish that all occupations were honorable if he meant only that no honest employment was disgraceful he would not have gone beyond the truth but in asserting that anything is honorable we imply some distinction in its favor the occupation of a hairdresser or of a working tallow chandler cannot be a matter of honor to any person to say nothing of a number of other more servile employments such descriptions of men ought not to suffer oppression from the state but the state suffers oppression if such as they either individually or collectively are permitted to rule in this you think you are combating prejudice but you are at war with nature footnote ecclesiasticus chapter thirty eight verses twenty four and twenty five the wisdom of a learned man cometh by opportunity of leisure and he that hath little business shall become wise how can he get wisdom that holdeth the plough and that glorieth in the goad that driveth oxen and is occupied in their labours and whose talk is of bullocks verse twenty seven so every carpenter and workmaster that laboureth night and day etc verse thirty three they shall not be sought for in public council nor sit high in the congregation they shall not sit on the judge's seat nor understand the sentence of judgment they cannot declare justice and judgment and they shall not be found where parables are spoken verse thirty four but they will maintain the state of the world i do not determine whether this book be canonical as the gallican church till lately has considered it or apocryphal as here it is taken 
I am sure it contains a great deal of sense and truth. End of footnote. I do not, my dear sir, conceive you to be of that sophistical captious spirit, or of that uncandid dullness as to require for every general observation or sentiment an explicit detail of the correctives and exceptions which reason will presume to be included in all the general propositions which come from reasonable men. You do not imagine that I wish to confine power, authority, and distinction to blood and names and titles. No, sir, there is no qualification for government but virtue and wisdom, actual or presumptive. Wherever they are actually found, they have, in whatever state, condition, profession, or trade, the passport of heaven to human place and honor. Woe to the country which would madly and impiously reject the service of the talents and virtues, civil, military, or religious, that are given to grace and to serve it, and would condemn to obscurity everything formed to diffuse luster and glory around a state. Woe to that country, too, that passing into the opposite extreme, considers a low education, a mean, contracted view of things, a sordid mercenary occupation as a preferable title to command everything ought to be open but not indifferently to every man no rotation no appointment by lot no mode of election operating in the spirit of sortition or rotation can be generally good in a government conversant in extensive objects because they have no tendency direct or indirect to select the man with a view to the duty or to accommodate the one to the other I do not hesitate to say that the road to eminence and power, from obscure condition, ought not to be made too easy, nor a thing too much of course. If rare merit be the rarest of all rare things, it ought to pass through some sort of probation. The temple of honor ought to be seated on an eminence. If it be open through virtue, let it be remembered, too, that virtue is never tried but by some difficulty and some struggle. Nothing is a due and adequate representation of a state that does not represent its ability as well as its property. But as ability is a vigorous and active principle, and as property is sluggish, inert, and timid, it can never be safe from the invasions of ability, unless it be, out of all proportion, predominant in the representation. It must be represented, too, in great masses of accumulation, or it is not rightly protected. The characteristic essence of property, formed out of the combined principles of its acquisition and conservation, is to be unequal. The great masses, therefore, which excite envy and tempt rapacity, must be put out of the possibility of danger. Then they form the natural rampart about the lesser properties in all their gradations the same quantity of property which is by the natural course of things divided among many has not the same operation its defensive power is weakened as it is diffused in this diffusion each man's portion is less than what in the eagerness of his desires he may flatter himself to obtain by dissipating the accumulations of others the plunder of the few would indeed give but a share inconceivably small in the distribution to the many but the many are not capable of making this calculation, and those who lead them to rapine never intend this distribution. The power of perpetuating our property in our families 
is one of the most valuable and interesting circumstances belonging to it and that which tends the most to the perpetuation of society itself it makes our weakness subservient to our virtue it grafts benevolence even upon avarice the possessors of family wealth and of the distinction which attends hereditary possession as most concerned in it are the natural securities for this transmission with us the house of peers is formed upon this principle it is wholly composed of hereditary property and hereditary distinction and made therefore the third of the legislature and in the last event the sole judge of all property in all its subdivisions the house of commons too though not necessarily yet in fact is always so composed in the far greater part let those large proprietors be what they will and they have their chance of being amongst the best they are at the very worst the ballast in the vessel of the commonwealth for though hereditary wealth and the rank which goes with it are too much idolized by creeping sycophants and the blind abject admirers of power they are too rashly slighted in shallow speculations of the petulant assuming short-sighted coxcombs of philosophy some decent regulated pre-eminence some preference not exclusive appropriation given to birth is neither unnatural nor unjust nor impolitic it is said that twenty-four millions ought to prevail over two hundred thousand true if the constitution of a kingdom be a problem of arithmetic this sort of discourse does well enough with the lamp-post for its second to men who may reason calmly it is ridiculous the will of the many and their interest must very often differ and great will be the difference when they make an evil choice a government of five hundred country attorneys and obscure curates is not good for twenty-four millions of men though it were chosen by eight and forty millions nor is it the better for being guided by a dozen of persons of quality who have betrayed their trust in order to obtain that power at present you seem in everything to have strayed out of the high road of nature the property of france does not govern it of course property is destroyed and rational liberty has no existence all you have got for the present is a paper circulation and a stock-jobbing constitution and as to the future do you seriously think that the territory of france upon the republican system of eighty-three independent municipalities to say nothing of the parts that compose them can ever be governed as one body or can ever be set in motion by the impulse of one mind when the national assembly has completed its work it will have accomplished its ruin these commonwealths will not long bear a state of subjection to the republic of paris they will not bear that this one body should monopolize the captivity of the king and the dominion over the assembly calling itself national each will keep its own portion of the spoil of the church to itself and it will not suffer either that spoil or the more just fruits of their industry or the natural produce of their soil to be sent to swell the insolence or pamper the luxury of the mechanics of paris in this they will see none of the equality under the pretense of which they have been tempted to throw off their allegiance to their sovereign as well as the ancient constitution of their country there can be no capital city in such a constitution as they have lately made they have forgot that when they framed democratic governments they had virtually dismembered their country 
the person whom they persevere in calling king has not power left to him by the hundredth part sufficient to hold together this collection of republics the republic of paris will endeavor indeed to complete the debauchery of the army and illegally to perpetuate the assembly without resort to its constituents as the means of continuing its despotism it will make efforts by becoming the heart of a boundless paper circulation to draw everything to itself but in vain all this policy in the end will appear as feeble as it is now violent end of section five